This morning we are back in our sermon series, Preparing for Something Great. We as a church are preparing for our 100 consecutive day journey through the Gospel of John, and in that we are seeking God to do something unbelievable. That's what I'm hoping, that's what I'm seeking. I hope that's what you're seeking as well. We are seeking for God to do something astounding, something truly marvelous, something truly awesome for his glory or for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we are 13 days out, and with a lot of other things, I keep thinking, what could God do? What could God do? You see, the Bible says that he can do anything. The Bible says he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we would even ask or think. The Bible says it is his will that the gospel would go out. The Bible says it is his will that people would be saved in the hearing of that gospel. The Bible tells us God is alive. He is mighty. He is powerful. The Bible says he acts for his namesake. He acts for his glory. So knowing all of that, I keep thinking, what could God do? What could he do? I want to show you a picture. This is the door to my office. Uh, some of you have seen it. It is made up of all of the stuff that my kids have made over the last 12 years. Uh, on that door, there's Joseph's coat of many colors. Uh, there is a horse. There is a monkey. Uh, there are three butterflies. There are two things. I'm not sure what they are. Uh, there are two robots. One of them is named Robbie. Uh, on my door, there are several turkeys uh, that have been made out of traced hands of my kids. Uh, I love that door. I don't plan on ever taking that door down. That door is priceless to me. Uh, yesterday I was in my office and I was working on this message and my eye caught the top of the door. And one of my kids, sadly in the passing of time, I'm not sure which one it was any longer, but some, one of my kids made this sign at the top of the door that says, God is great. God is great. Folks, I want you to understand that is not just a kid saying that is the truth of our God. Our God is good and our God is great and anything is possible for him. What could he do? What could he do? So today we are preparing again for something great. Now in this series, we are looking at what we can do, what we are to do. We saw very early on that we are to pray, that we can pray. We saw last week that we prepare. Well, this week we see that we preach. We preach. Our verses are found in Romans chapter 10, today verses 13 through 15. Our message is entitled, We Preach. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 10, beginning in the 13th verse. God's word says this. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for you, we praise you, we worship you, we, we seek to exalt and to honor you above all things this morning. Lord, we're thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for our tremendous salvation that th came through our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I, I'm thankful for your word that you lead us through, that you teach us through. Lord, I, I come and I pray now that you would speak to us as your people, that you would build us as your people, that you would equip us and shape us as your people in the study of your word. Lord, I pray that in all of this, that again, Jesus Christ is known. I pray that if there are lost people, that they would hear the gospel and they would turn to Christ and be saved. Lord, I pray for us as the church on the eve of these events. Lord, I pray that we would be in tune with you, that we'd be lock in step with your will, that we'd be seeking your hand and your power, and all of it would be for your glory. And I pray, Lord, when the dust settles, when this is over, that it can be said, there is a Savior, there is a King, there is a Lord, and His name is Jesus. Lord, we, we love you today. We praise you, we worship you, we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the progression of this sermon series, we have looked at some reasons why God does not move. That's where we started. And then we looked at some reasons why we care if he moves. We looked at some reasons why we would even care that God would move. Today, let me say, let me be very clear, our world needs God to move. Our church needs God to move. We need God to move. I don't know how to impress that upon us any, any more strongly than that. We need God to move today. Listen, I'm not just saying a bunch of words. I'm not just trying to pump up this cause. Today, in this day, we need God to move. Look around. Our world is spinning into chaos. Our world is hurting. Our world is suffering today. Today, in the midst of that, the, the word of God is laughed at, it is mocked, it is ignored worse than that, maybe more sad than that. The word of God has gone silent in many places. Today, we need God to move. You know what? We better wake up. You know what? The church better realize that we desperately need God to move. And so here we are this morning with this opportunity. We have seen that we pray, all right? We're preparing, we pray. We have seen that we can pray with expectation. We learned that that week. We, we have seen that all of the power and the resources of God are available to us in prayer. And so it is vital that we are found in prayer. Now, I know many of us are praying. The truth is we must be diligent in prayer. Last week we saw that we prepare and that we must prepare ourselves. We must prepare our hearts. And that is done by turning to God in repentance. And that's how we prepare 
as individuals. That's how we prepare as people. We prepare our hearts by turning to God in repentance. We saw every revival in Scripture. I told you this. In fact, every true revival outside of Scripture started with a repentant people. And so you want to know where it's always started? It has started with a people that are repentant and have turned to God. And so we saw that we must prepare ourselves. Well, today we see this third piece, and that is this, we preach. If we want to see a mighty movement of God, what do we do? We pray, we prepare, and we preach. Now go with me. Think about this. Today, shouldn't our world be getting better? You ever thought about that today? Shouldn't our world be getting better? Shouldn't it? We, we have better educations as a whole than any generation on earth. We have more stuff. We have more houses and cars and things and phones than any generation on earth. We are more advanced medically, academically, technologically than any previous generation. They can't touch the, the advancements of this generation. What even is the cloud? I'm not talking about the clouds outside. I'm talking about the ones where all of our stuff somehow is stored. Do you understand our generation has the cloud? Our parents didn't have the cloud. Our grandparents couldn't have even imagined the cloud. Look at the advancements we have in our age today. Look at all the laws we have. My lands, we have more laws than any previous time on earth, any, any previous generation. Look at all the opportunities we have. Life for us is like a buffet of opportunities. We can do stuff our parents and our grandparents couldn't have even imagined. Look at all the opportunities we have. Shouldn't our world be getting better? Shouldn't our world be getting better? Here's the question. So is it? Friends, we have all the answers. And we have better answers than any previous generation. Why isn't our world getting better? Hear me this morning. Listen to me. It is because what the world needs isn't more advancements, medically or technologically. It's because what the world needs isn't more information. It's not more education. It's because what the world needs isn't more opportunities. Hear me today. It's because what the world needs is Jesus. He alone is what we need. The world needs Jesus. Well, I can't imagine why the world's not getting better. Listen, the world needs Jesus. Now, as, as fast as I say that, that sounds pretty kooky to most folks. That sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? All the, all the issues and the things going wrong and someone says what we need is Jesus. That sounds weird. That sounds crazy. But I want you to look around. It seems nothing else is working, isn't it? Nothing else is working. Well, what about all the medical advancements? We're still getting sick and dying, aren't we? What about all the technological advancements? We still suffer pain and heartache in life, don't we? Nothing else is working. 
Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Just listen. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Listen, our hope is in Jesus. Our answer is Jesus. And so we as the church of Jesus Christ, we preach Jesus. People keep saying, it happens about once a week at least, people keep saying, why are you doing what you're doing? Usually they've got a list of all the reasons we shouldn't do this. Why are you doing this? Why, why would you endeavor to do it? Couldn't you have spread it out? Couldn't you have taken two years to do it? Why even try it all? Why would you do this? I'm going to be honest with you this morning. It's because I don't know anything else to do. You see, our world needs Jesus. And time is growing short and time is urgent. And look, if I knew something else to do, I would do it. But all I know to do is to preach Jesus. The answer to the need of the world is Jesus. And so we in the church, we preach Jesus. Now let me show you our verses this morning. And then we're going to see two things. We're going to see God's promise and we're going to see man's problem. These two things we're going to see in our verses this morning. We're going to see God's promise, and we're going to see man's problem. All right, first, we're going to start with verse 13, and we're going to see God's promise. It says this, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to read verse 13 again. It says this, For... Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this verse, verse 13, is a restatement of the prophet Joel. It's actually in Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And so understand, the witness of Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament Scripture, the witness of Scripture, the Word of God, revealing the promise of God, is the truth that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, that is the promise of God. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is God's promise. Let's look carefully at the promise. It starts and it says, whoever, whoever. In Greek, here in Romans, it is the word, it is the Greek word, pas, P-A-S, pas. It is the same Greek word that is found in John 3, 16. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is this word, pos. Now let me just tell you this morning, I love the word pos. I am a preacher of the word pos. I get excited to tell you about the word pos because it translates all, every, totality, and in, in its most literal translation is all. It translates all. Now let me tell you what that means for us this morning. Listen very carefully. It means there is not a single solitary sinner 
that would bow their knee and call upon the name of the Lord that would not be saved. That's what it means. All means all. All that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What that means is it's not just the rich. It's not just the educated. It's not just the Jew. It's not just the male. It's not just the white man. It's not just the ones that we like. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the promise of God. All means all. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because I'm in that all. Because you, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, you're in that all. Listen to me. No matter your past, no matter your sin, no matter the situation that you're in, in God's promise, all means all. Praise the Lord. Go to the end of the verse now. We'll come back and hit the middle in a second. It says, we'll be saved. We'll be saved. It is a settled fact. Now, notice the language here. God is very deliberate. God is very clear. It does not say should be saved. It does not say might be saved. It does not say they could be saved if they do some other things. No, we can have confidence in it. All that call, the Bible says, will be saved. Will be saved. Now, the Greek word for saved comes from the word sozo. It translates rescued, delivered, preserved, brought to safety. The promise of God is the one who calls will be rescued. The one who calls, they will be delivered. They will be brought out of harm and they will be set in safety. They will be saved. That is the promise of God. Any that call, all that call, they will be saved. In Psalm 51, David says in his prayer, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's what he prays. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Let me tell you something. Maybe we've lost today the joy of our salvation. Maybe we've lost that joy. Friends, listen, if you've called upon the Lord in God's grace and in God's power and according to this promise, we are rescued. We are delivered. We are set in safety Listen, we are not lost, we are not ruined, we are not perishing in God's grace. We are saved. Rejoice in that. Be glad in that. We are saved. If you've called upon the name of the Lord, you're saved. Now I'm going to get to the most important part. Whoever, pass will call upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. We can have confidence, will be saved. The most important part, call upon the name of the Lord. Call whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on the name of the Lord, it means to trust the Lord. 
It means to have faith in the Lord. That's what it means. You call upon the Lord because you've turned to Him. He is your hope. He is your, he is your answer. And so you have turned to the Lord. You would not turn to Him if it were not in faith. And so to call upon the name of the Lord is to turn to the Lord. It is to have faith and trust in the Lord. The word for Lord, listen to this. It is the covenant name for God. The word here in the Old and New Testament, it is the covenant name for God. Yahweh, Jehovah. And so what it is saying here, when you call Upon the Lord, you will be saved. But what it means here is you're not just calling on any Lord. You're not just calling on any God. You're calling on the one true God. You're calling on the only God. You're calling on the creator God. It is specific. It is this God. It's not any God. It's not just hoping that some God might hear and some God might act. It's not the idea of another God. It is this Specific God, Yahweh, Jehovah. Now this is where it gets better. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is our promise. Now here it is. Our Lord God, the one true God, the creator God, has a name, listen very carefully, that we may call Upon him. Stay with me. Backing up a couple verses. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Here it is. Listen very carefully. If you confess with your mouth, listen, Jesus as Lord. Do you see that? Jesus as Lord. The Lord, his name is Jesus. We are saved by calling upon the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. That is why the angel said, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why the book of Acts says, and there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. Listen, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so we call upon the name of Jesus. And when we do, we are saved. That is God's promise it is Jesus. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. What a promise we have when we call on the Lord. His name is Jesus we are saved. That's the promise. So what is the problem? That's the promise. What's the problem? Anybody that calls, they're saved. Anyone calls upon Jesus, they're saved. That's the promise. So what's the problem? Listen to verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? Verse 15. How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet 
of those who bring good news of good things. I want you to see this problem as it develops in this progression here. The Bible says, if anyone pass, if anyone calls, they will be saved. But they will not call if they have not believed. You'd only call if you were trusting in Him. You would only call in faith. But they will not call if they have not believed. Listen to the progression. And they will not believe if they have not heard. It's the only way they have to hear. The progression goes, they will not hear. I want to stop right here for just a second. They will not hear. They will not hear. How sad to not hear. How sad to have such a tremendous Savior, Jesus, and not hear. How sad to have God's grace available to you and the finished work of Jesus and not hear. How sad to have safety secured in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus and to somehow not hear. How sad to, to suffer and to live in sin and to die in that suffering all because you do not hear. How sad to be so loved by a gracious, compassionate God. How sad to not hear. If you call, you're saved. But you will not call if you do not believe. You will not believe if you do not hear. And you will not hear without a preacher. Verse 15 says, and there will be no preacher if they're not sent. For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. The end of that verse is a quote from Isaiah. Now let me explain it to you. At this point in the book of Isaiah, the people, the nation, they have been in captivity. Honestly, because of their sin, because of their rebellion, because of God's judgment, they have been led into captivity. They have suffered in captivity. They have been disgraced as a nation, as individuals in captivity. Led away, many of them have died. It has been a terrible time. It has been a dark time for God's people. But now God had delivered them. And they have been restored. Their nation was being restored and God was blessing them and the people are back in their land and God had forgiven their sin and he had redeemed them and he had renewed them and the things that were wrong were made right. And in this dark day, following these years of terrible things, the years of hardships, following the years of bad news, the word began to spread and it went out of Jerusalem and it went up over the mountains of Jerusalem and then down out of the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And the message was traveling. The message was spreading. And the message was, lift up your head. Our God is gracious to us. Our God hasn't forgotten us. Our God hasn't abandoned us. Our God is compassionate. He is mighty and he is great. And our God saves the good news goes over the mountains and down out of the mountains into the villages and the good news begins to spread. Isaiah 52, 7. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him 
who brings good news, who announces peace, and who brings good news of happiness, who announces, to, who announces salvation, and says to Zion, your God reigns. I want you to picture this. They've been through this hardship and they're wondering, what has God done with us? When will he, he renew us? What are we to do in our sin? And bad news is dominated and bad news is spread. And on this day, good news has come over the mountain. And the prophet Isaiah says, oh, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Friends, listen to me today. As awesome as that was, as tremendous as that was, our news is better. And hear me this morning, as dark as it is, as hard as it seems, as hopeless as it feels, as wicked and evil as our day is, our news is better. Listen to me. In years of bad news, consumed in darkness, we have our Savior. We have our Lord. We have our King. Our God reigns, and He reigns today. His name is Jesus. And oh, how good the news is. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That is the good news. That is why we preach. Into the darkness we must go. There is a Savior. Jesus saves. We preach Jesus. What else would we do? Church, what else would we do? Friend, what else would you do? We preach Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm so thankful that in 2021, when I see wickedness surround us, when I see hopelessness surround us, when I see chaos spin in on us, when I see troubles at every turn, when we can't figure out what to do, I'm so thankful that we have good news. I'm so thankful that our God reigns. I'm so thankful that our Savior lives today. I'm so thankful that in Christ our sins are forgiven. There is peace forevermore. Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus saves. Praise the Lord. Lord, I pray that we'd be agents of this good news. I pray that we would sell out to be ambassadors of this good news. And I pray if it's in a 100-day sermon series or if it's in our work tomorrow morning, we would proclaim Jesus saves for the glory of our Savior. Lord, help us. Lord, use us. Lord, empower us. Lord, don't let us pass these days in apathy. There is good news. Help us to be heralds. Jesus saves. Lord, I pray for somebody here that doesn't know you. I pray that the good news has reached them this morning and today they would respond in faith and trust and they would call upon Jesus and upon your promise they would be saved. Lord, stir in their heart. Remove any hindrance. Remove any barrier. Let salvation ring out for your glory. Lord, I pray for us here that are saved. I pray that we would recommit today. We'd be renewed in this day. That we would want to travel up over the mountains and down into the villages and tell of the hope we have in Jesus. Lord, bless us and empower us for that. Lord, I come and I pray that in every bit of it you're known. I pray that in every bit of it you're glorified. Lord, we tell you, we praise Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.